All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of Positively Charged Wrestling. Uh, your lovely host, uh, Braden, and my buddy, Josh. Hey, guys. Uh, we've got quite a bit to tackle this week uh, as of this recording. Um, it is uh, the day of SummerSlam. So, uh, big, big day. Uh, wh- where do you rank SummerSlam on the calendar, Josh? I mean, you've obviously got your big four. Do you rank it uh, above or below the Rumble? Uh, well, I guess importance-wise, it would be right above. I think it, it would be Mania, SummerSlam, Rumble, Survivor Series. Yeah. But fun-wise, I think the Rumble beats it because, I mean, the Rumble's always awesome. It, yeah. I would I would lean in that direction, especially now since they've just decided to start running stadiums with the Rumble. True. To to me, that tells that tells the audience that it is a firm number two. True. Uh, but uh, SummerSlam has got a rich history that uh, we touched on a bit last week. We're going to continue to touch on this week, and as we'll hint at a little bit later we'll touch on rolling into uh the next episode but uh you actually just uh we'll kick off with a little bit of aew news not not a lot going on this week um but uh you sent me the uh episode four of the road to all out series and i'm I'm guessing you watch this yep yep i saw this one Uh, I, I love the format of these, and, and this was highlighting the women. Uh, I, I thought that was really cool. We've got Roddy Piper's daughter. Um, they're they're going to crown the uh, the women's champion. Um, what uh, what's your thoughts on on these videos, and uh, especially this one? I I like the format as well. Just a, a quick little catch up. Get everybody in the field for the show. Um, the women's, they're in the uh, Casino Battle Royale. And is it to crown champion or is it to maybe get the one of the people in the match? I'm not sure. They, I don't think they officially announced that part. I, yeah, that was a little fuzzy to me. I, I have read that they will crown the champion on the first uh, on the first episode of uh, the TNT show. So, I, I don't know. Maybe this this will be the winner. We'll get crowned on October. I, I'm not sure. That was a little fuzzy. So hopefully they clear that up. Yeah, I guess in the coming weeks they'll go into a little deeper on that. Um, I found it interesting too. Uh, they announced uh, AEW announced their next two cities for uh, their their uh, TNT show is Boston and Philadelphia. So. They are right in WWE's back door. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> that uh, now, granted, they aren't running the big arenas. I think uh, I actually looked this up out of sheer curiosity. The arena that they're running in Boston, I think, is seventy-two hundred. The arena they're running in Philly is like eleven thousand. So, still solid arenas, but not the uh, fifteen to twenty thousand seat arenas. But smart on their part. Uh, you don't need. You don't always need a uh, 20,000-seat arena. If it's full, if the crowd is lively, if you can make it look good on TV, you know, that's that makes all the difference in the world. 
Exactly. Um, so another interesting thing that I noticed last night, now, now you've not watched Takeover yet, right? No, not yet. So obviously August 31st um, is the big uh, all-out pay-per-view from AEW. Um, and I do plan on buying it some way or another. Uh, they, uh, they announced that NXT UK is also going to have a show that day or, or their little NXT UK takeover. Um, and, and it's funny instead of, uh, in, instead of producing, um, producing it to go head to head, it's going to actually be earlier in the evening or earlier in the day, I should say. Uh, so that's going to be a jam packed day. I think, uh, the NXT UK takeover is going to be at like one o'clock in the afternoon on that Saturday. So watch that for a couple hours to get ready for all out. So that that's going to be a fun day. Um, have you ever got a chance to check out the NXT UK stuff? I've not seen any of the UK stuff other than uh, like little clips that they put up on Facebook. I uh, I watched the I, I guess it was the initial NXT UK takeover, um, and I think that's when uh, Walter uh, defeated Pete Dunne, and and that was I mean it was a good show uh, it was a really good show, but I, I've not watched the the week to week shows, but. Uh, should be fun stuff. So, as I said, you've uh, you you haven't got a chance to watch Takeover yet. Highly recommend it. As always, tremendous, tremendous show. Um, I know you you mentioned you heard a little bit about Cole and uh, Garg- Gargano and uh, yeah, that, that, everything I've heard from them has been real positive. I, I heard some more results, but it wasn't like as yeah. far as, uh, you know, hey, this match was really good. It was just so-and-so beat so-and-so. So, you know, I, I didn't look too deep into those until I hear a little more about, you know, how, how good the quality was. But for them, I heard it was really good. It, it was uh, 52 minutes. Uh, and honestly, it it didn't feel like 52 minutes, at least to me. Um. They uh, love me some Adam Cole. I, di- I didn't really get into him when he was in Ring of Honor. Um, I-, I knew about him. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, I'll i interject here for a second. I, I watched a little bit of his stuff in Ring of Honor. And I've always got a, hey, this guy kind of has a Shawn Michaels feel to him. He, and, uh, he does. I, I think that's why I'm paying attention to him. You know, I'm like, you know, hey, this guy's going to be big someday. And, and it's it's – that Sean vibe that's coming out of him. Yeah. So. I, I would, uh, I can see that. I would agree. And plus just the Adam Cole, baby, that <laughs> the whole arena, like that's just, and even last night, uh, it was, I don't know why this stood out to me during the championship introductions, uh, before the match, as they're announcing him, NXT champion Adam Cole, and he just holds up his hand. He doesn't say anything. He just holds up his hand with the audience as they go, baby. Mm-hmm. And just a little subtle thing that this guy gets it. This this guy, I don't know. It just 
something subtle that stood out to me. Um, I was reading something uh, regarding regarding this match and Meltzer, and I kind of want to get your thoughts on this. Meltzer was saying that they were doing too much uh, in regards to there were a lot of false finishes or, or kicking out of finishers and things like that. And I think that's kind of became a theme with uh, Johnny Gargano's matches on these takeovers is you literally have to drop a building on this guy to beat him. (laughs) Uh, And and people want to complain about super Cena from some years back, but you know, Gargano is just as bad. Uh, in terms of just what is it going to take to beat this guy? Yeah. What What are your thoughts on uh, when is, you know, too much, too much in terms of kicking out of finishers and just like, oh, my gosh, is this match ever going to end? Like, when is too much, too much? Um, It's a difficult question there because, uh, you know, I'm – I don't want to give away my age, but I remember when people didn't kick out the finishers, you know. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, Agreed. But uh, um, sometimes, I mean, it, it adds – I mean, it, it pulls the crowd in. I mean, if somebody mm-hmm. gets a finisher, they think it's over, they, they get that kick out, and, you know, the crowd pops, and they're ready to see what's next, you know. And yeah. um, so, I mean, there are instances where I say it helps, but done too often, you know. I mean, then when they hit a finisher in a regular match, it's like, well, that shouldn't be enough to put him away the, the other guy kicked out 12 times, you know. So I think it's kind of a, a play it by ear type, you know, just sometimes sometimes it's all right, but we don't need it all the time. Um, and, and false finishes, like the finishers, the, the actual finishing move is, I think, needs to be a little more protected. But there are some heavy hitting moves that guys do that can also trigger, you know, one of those false finish pops. Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe if we focus more on them and save the finisher to finish it, you know. But. Yeah, like I, I think back to a, a few a few times, like um, one that really immediately jumps to mind is uh, Hogan Warrior from uh, WrestleMania Six when uh, I, I think Warrior kicked out of the leg drop, right? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so when that happened, it was like, oh wow, wow, and it was just to to your point, you know, finishers being a bit more protected of like. I think that would – I'm all for false finishes and believable, like, oh, that was almost – this is it, you know. And, yes. But it's not. So, I, I'm all for that. Um, I think I think the last match I'm, – I'm not going to say the last match, but one of the last matches that I remember uh, that done it to absolute perfection was Sean Taker won at, uh, at Mania 25. They – they had a lot of uh, believable, very believable uh, kicking out of finishers, false finishes. That was just uh, terrific. But true, I think it has become somewhat watered down. I, I don't know if you want to blame uh, blame Japan or, or the Indies or just as as Jim Cornette would say, uh, all these spot monkeys out there who just like doing flippy stuff. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not, you know, going to go down that road, but uh, it could be toned back a little. Yeah. Um, well, you, you kind of hit on something there. Um, 
the false finishes and, you know, not, not to fully side with Cornette because I like my flippy stuff, but at the same time, there's a, <laughs> a lot of that gets overdone in my opinion. Like it, it, when you're watching a wrestling show and every match, somebody suicide dives or two or three guys suicide dive and do this and that, you know, it, it doesn't mean as much. Like I was actually watching something this past week. Um, and it made me think of this. And, uh, I was th- like, I was referencing like, uh, undertaker undertaker does that dive over the ropes. Yep. But you know, I can only just immediately thinking about it. I can only be like, Oh, well he did that on this show and that show and that show, you know, Mm-mm. But it's not like, oh, he does that every match, you know. Right. So it, it kind of makes it more special. Like Taker did that, like at Ground Zero, he he jumped out on DX and whoever yeah. else was down at ringside. And then in the Sean Taker match at Mania, and I know he's done it a few more times, but you know, it's it's a little more sporadic and seems to mean mm-hmm. a little more when. So I don't know. Maybe maybe everything's kind of getting a little overdone right now. It it could be. It could be. Uh, uh one of the couple of the quick things I want to touch on um, from Takeover before we move on to SummerSlam. Uh, go out of your way to watch Io Shirai and uh, Candice LeRae, mm-hmm. the best women's match that I have seen this year. Uh, it uh, really and truly, it, it was a good show, but I may have enjoyed that as well as anything on the card. I, it, it really, really pulled me in, really <sighs> kind of, I don't know, I was, I was kind of just, half watching it kind of messing around on my phone but then as the match wore on i put my phone down i got invested and just really good match um i know it's been said before uh, that it's a lot of people are saying this but montez ford of uh, the street profits mm-hmm. that guy is is, is going to be a star um drips charisma Super athletic. Him and Velveteen Dream. Um, if they bumble those two when they come to the main roster full time, then I will lose all faith. Uh, not, not literally, but, uh, but those two. I think if they just really let them let them do what they're capable of, I think we've got two big stars, two young stars. I think Dream is 24, 23, 24. Uh, Montez Ford's like 29. So both of them have super young, terrific futures. Uh, one last thing. Um, this card only had five matches. Uh, they only have these takeovers, I think, five times a year. Uh, I know it's before Mania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and a Rumble, and then I think they done another one. A few weeks ago, I said my dream pay-per-view lineup would have five, uh, five pay-per-views. I really think the reason takeovers are so good is because we only get them five times a year. You only get like five or six matches on the card. Each one of them is allowed to tell a story. True. And that, and now we move to SummerSlam, where I think there are ten matches on the card. This show's <laughs> going to be five hours long. And I love it. I'm going to watch it. But at the same time, I think a lot can be said that less is more and – uh 
and, and a lot of times that's that's just the way to go. It's tr- that's true, and and this actually ties into something I was going to bring up later, but I'm going to go on and hit on it now. Uh, while watching Raw, and they did the women's tag title match on Raw. Now there wasn't a whole lot of build to this match. Uh, I think there's been a little build between the Iconics and the Kabuki Warriors. You know, but there there wasn't a huge build to this match setting it up. But I got thinking at the end of it, you know, it was, it was a title match on the show before SummerSlam. And we get these SummerSlam, well, not just SummerSlam, we get these pay-per-view cards that are like, as you, like, what, 10, 10 matches for this one, 12 matches for that one, you know, that type of thing. Would you be opposed to the idea of some of the smaller feuds wrapping up on the Raw and SmackDown right before SummerSlam? Would that, I, you think I that would. could work? I, I think it could, and they, they might be kind of experimenting with that because we got Sammy and Aleister Black on SmackDown. Decent match. Yeah. Cool with that. Um, I would even be – I'm going to take that idea, which I like, and raise it one to where we actually – I'm trying to think how to phrase this. Some of these lesser-than pay-per-views, your, your stomping grounds and your, your extreme rules where we actually – save a Brock and Seth, keep them apart, or or a Randy and Kofi, and really keep that story going, but also kind of have splintering storylines for these lesser-than pay-per-views. I can see that. Uh, and kind of – but still, I, I still probably am not phrasing that right, but um, really save the big stuff for – the big shows. Uh, and I'm fine. I'm fine with your big four being four to five hours. Uh, keep the, the lesser than paper used to a tight three hours. Um, that's, that's got to start happening because I think even extreme rules was like right at four hours. So yeah, they need to trim them up just a little bit, but I guess, since since we're already touching on it, we'll get uh, we'll get into SummerSlam and uh, kind of look at some of the stuff that has um, happened to get us here, and um, we'll just kind of go down the card. Um, as, as I said, ten matches. Uh, first off, we're going to touch on Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get this out of the way. Uh, I know you text me, said, well, that took the wind out of my sails. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, what? probably going to be fun. It, it's, it's probably going to be okay. We're going to get an entrance. Ziggler's probably going to make that spear look as good as anybody. I mean, are, are we... I don't know. What's your thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, we're you, you pretty much summed it up. It's, they're going to come out. Goldberg's going to do his handful of moves, and he's going to be in, intense and impactful. But you know, it's not going to be a whole lot to it. Ziggler's going to sell like crazy. It, that's pretty much going to be it. You know, I don't really see a lot. Uh, the, the the match the next night on Raw will probably be a lot better. It's going to be Miz and Dolph. And and there's yeah. probably an 82 percent chance that we're going to get a double crossbody in that match. So you, you guys watch out. That's the best best spot in wrestling. So check check out for that. Uh, so 
Yeah, that's that's what's going on there. And, and, and I got to touch on the uh, the tease, the the little bait and switch from Raw. I don't want to be negative, but when, when you look like when it looks like you're getting Shawn Michaels and you end up with Goldberg, it's like trading steak for baloney. Not 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 yeah. this and baloney or Goldberg, but I'm saying when you're up against the other, it kind of yeah. And and it could have all yeah. been solved if when uh, Miz said that he's not going to wrestle him, that he's going to let somebody else have the SummerSlam moment. If Miz hadn't looked at Sean, I don't think it would have been as bait and switch. But when Miz looks over at Sean, it immediately made everybody think it's going to be Sean. So yeah. I was thinking, oh, this whole Goldberg theory has been just a red herring, you know. And then all of a sudden Sean says, oh, yeah. it's not me. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and Goldberg yeah. comes out and I'm like, okay, I'm done with all. I'm going, I'm going to bed, you know. So yeah. and I don't want to be negative, but I think they misbooked that just a little. A little bit. Um, but uh, moving on, uh, we, we got the Fiend, the fiend and uh, Finn Balor. I honestly think this is probably going to – I don't know if we're going to squash Balor, but I don't look – I'm going to say over and under between both of these matches, the, the Goldberg-Ziggler and the Fiend and Finn Balor. I'm gonna say both of them combined are gonna be less than 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I'm not looking for a so, not looking for a long match in this one. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I mean, this is gonna be the first taste we get of the fiend in action, and uh, Bauer is apparently gonna take some time off, supposedly. So uh, why it's been attacking legends? I mean, for me, I don't know. I'm still fairly positive that uh, why it's going to be, you know, a force. But uh, what say you? I mean, are we still lukewarm on this whole idea as it relates to the live crowd? Or well, I think we'll hopefully that'll come to fruition after tonight. Um, I think he's yeah. been doing the legend deal to kind of you know protect him on screen to get us to SummerSlam, and hopefully after tonight, you know. Not as you stated, not a not a full on squash match, but you know a quick. White takes out Balor. Yeah. Balor's gone, and then of course it's gonna it'll set up for a return feud later on, and uh, we'll see kind of how it rolls after that. Um, I'm I'm still wondering will we will we ever see Mister Rogers Bray on like out in the arena, or is that just reserved for the uh, video wall? I don't I don't know. Good question. Good question. We shall see. Uh Kind of getting into some of the meat of the uh, SummerSlam pay-per-view. Uh, we got uh, Owens and Shane. Uh, this has kind of found its way and developed into a, one of the better stories being told right now. Wouldn't yeah, you agree? Yeah. I actually more excited for a Shane McMahon match than I have been for a little while. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, and the, the stipulation is if Owens loses, he will quit. I find this curious because I feel like as much as Owens has been dogging Shane McMahon, I feel like there should be a stipulation almost like a loser leaves town match. Sure. So I'm going to make – I know we haven't – we've somewhat made predictions on the first couple, so I, I guess we can really start to make some of the meteor predictions now. Um I'm going to pick Shane uh, to win this because I, I think you have a lot of story there. 
the Owens perhaps quits, but still plays this like outlaw character where he's still showing up. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps. So so my pick for that will be Shane, and I think it's going to be a very uh, emotional uh, match that the crowd will get into. Yeah, I, I was kind of feeling the same thing. Like I can see Owens, uh, you know, technically being gone from the company, but like maybe jumping the railing and attacking Shane and, you know, Doing yeah. doing some stuff like that, little run-ins, and then building up to where Shane's like, you know, hey, hey, I want you back because I want another match with you or something like that, you know. So I, I can see that happening. Yeah. Um, moving along, we um, we have a U.S. title match with uh, AJ Styles and Ricochet. I think if they give these guys fifteen to twenty minutes, we could have an all-time classic. Uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, do you think uh, Styles retains, or uh, you think Ricochet gets the U.S. title back? Um, I kind of hope Styles keeps it because he hadn't had it too long. But then again, I think I made that call last time they wrestled, and Styles won it from Ricochet. So, but I'm going to go with Styles again yeah. on this one. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't go ladder match, but. You know, it is what it is. Little, as you said, they're going to have a classic anyways, so. Uh, and, and yet again, this has been a pretty solid yeah. story. Uh, a simple one, but uh, pretty solid. Uh, not not a lot to complain about here. Um, I'm going to also go Styles uh, in that match and um, to continue the feud at least another month. So, uh should be a good one. Now we're getting into the um, the women's part of the card, and I think we've got three what I think should be solid matches. Uh, we'll, we'll start with the SmackDown's women title match, Bailey and Ember Moon. Um, kind of a curious match as, as Bailey was like, "Hey, I want to challenge you." Um, and I like Ember Moon. The Eclipse is one of my favorite finishers uh, in the company right now. So, um, what uh, what you thinking about this match? Oh well, it's always cool when we get a face versus face match because mm-hmm. it lets the the match kind of tell the story more than you know, oh, so and so's being underhand and stuff. But there is the possibility that maybe somebody will come out of this as a uh, heel, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's possible, or or it could just be straight up face face. You know, one of them bests the other one. We get the handshake and hug and arm raise uh, finish and stuff, and I'll be all right with that. I I'm expecting it to be pretty cool. Uh, uh, I like both of them. Like you said, Ember and the Eclipse is awesome. I I kind of hope she wins. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna pick her because I want to see the Eclipse. So I'm. Uh, <clears throat> I think we're gonna see Sasha. Oh. In this match, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for. Uh, apparently, there's rumors floating around that she's getting ready to return. I don't know if that's a red herring. I don't know. I think either I, I could see her returning to uh, cost Bailey the title. Nice. So I'm gonna pick Ember. Sasha interfering, none of that could happen. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I think uh, I think the story there could be Sasha. 
uh, to really add some intrigue to that. So I've been interested in seeing Hill Sasha. Yeah. So uh, we got next Becky and Natalia. And I'm going to tell you, after the little promo that Becky cut on Monday, uh, I think it was backstage segment, right? Um, yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good stuff. Um, got me a little more amped for, uh, for this. I don't know. I, I was very lukewarm on it, but both ladies have done a admirable job of uh, get, getting this match, uh, getting the excitement level where it needs to be. Um, think we're going to see a classic here? I think we are. Uh, I think we're going to gonna see a good one. Um, uh, Becky's still on fire, and Natalia's one of the best like in-ring workers there is, so. Not the best. We'll talk about her in a minute, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Becky to retain here. And since I'm all about all about surprises and things happening, I think we could see a Ronda Rousey side. Mm-hmm. Um, now I don't know that might be too much if we see Sasha and Ronda, so they might not do both, but. I know before Extreme Rules, I said I may I was like Nostradamus and said we would see something to get us talking. I'm saying right here, right now, we will see either Sasha Banks or Ronda Rousey tonight. No. I don't know if we'll see both. If we see both, great. But uh, one of the two, uh, and I'm going to pick Becky to retain. Now, you you mentioned uh, the best woman's wrestler going today one of the best uh workers male or female i'm excited about this match i'm not gonna lie the, uh charlotte and trish with two weeks of build up that's one of those you just slap it on the card and you don't need any build up so uh think we're gonna see a special moment uh, uh it'll be a good match um I don't know. I can't really pick a winner. Uh, I'm hoping maybe Trish puts Charlotte over. I think it's going to really balance on if Natalia wins, Trish is losing, Trish wins, Natalia's losing, you know, because it's both going for that hometown crowd thing. So I think one of them is going to leave the crowd going home happy. The other one's putting the other person over. So I I just don't know which way this one's going to go, though. Um could be Trish because she's not done as much, you know. She's not done anything in a while, so maybe Charlotte will put Trish over, give the crowd that go home happy feel, you know. Uh, yeah, and I think that's one reason I'm really excited about this match. Aside from the fact I think it's probably going to be good, it's a dream match. And three, like you just alluded to, you can't really pick the winner. Yeah. I mean, you can really go either way, and I think that's one reason. Yeah, I'm I'm as excited about that match as I am anything on the card. Um, I'm going to go Charlotte, but you, you made a tremendous point there with uh, Natalia Trish stuff there. So I, I'm going to go Charlotte, but I'm not confident in that pick. Like I said, I, I think one of the Canadian ladies is going to go over. I just don't know which one. Agreed, agreed. Um, so now moving – go ahead. What, what a tag team name, the Canadian ladies. <laughs> uh, wrestling the 
Buki Warriors. Uh, there I you think go. International flair. We'll just uh, set up the uh, t- the tag team title match, you know. Let's- <laughs> there we go. Uh, moving on, we got the uh, WWE Championship match. They've, uh, yet again, they've done a solid job at getting me excited for this. Um, I think this could be uh, a sleeper match for one of the better better matches of the night. This one should be good. Uh, should be kind of heated. This is, what, 10 years in the making almost? Mm-hmm. So, so that, that that's kind of cool that it's telling a story that's kind of left hanging back then. So, I'm going with Kofi. Um, and yeah, I'm sticking with Kofi on that one. Um, yeah, I, I think Kofi's the the solid pick. I don't. We're getting into now. Uh, we're starting to get into. Okay, Kofi's held the title since Mania. Probably going to retain tonight. I'm beginning to wonder who's going to take the title off of Kofi. Who who's the right guy? Uh, I go ahead. What's what's next month's pay per view? Is is it the sale? It might be. Uh maybe Orton will get it, and we'll we'll have a rematch in the sale. Perhaps, perhaps. Like Orton seems logical. He he seems like a legit, you know. Uh, a legit guy to take the title off. Uh, so, you know, not that I'm wanting Kofi to lose the title, but um, we're kind of starting to get into that uh, that point where, like, okay, who who is going to be legit enough to take this title off of Kofi? So uh, we shall see. I'm, I'm going to pick Kofi. Uh, been a solid run thus far. Uh, they They have not. As much as they bumble and fumble stuff, Kofi's title reign, the long, as I said, uh, I think it was last week or the week before, it, the longer we go into this, it's becoming an all-time good reign or all-time great reign. So, uh, lastly, um, what I figure will be the main event, we've got Lesnar and Rollins. And, you know, I, they they've heated this up pretty good. Uh, and you know I'm excited about it, and I'm going to say this: I don't, I, I can't call this because I could easily see Lesnar retaining. I could also really see them wanting to uh, put Seth over strong to to legitimize him, but I don't know. I, I really don't know. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um... I'm going with Seth, but I could easily see see Brock uh, <laughs> see Brock retaining and uh, going on with the title uh, again. Maybe that could be the sale match for uh, next month. Perhaps, perhaps. Uh, I don't know where you go with Seth if Brock wins. Is this where Roman comes in and we get Roman Brock again? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do think this could be uh, a hell of a match. Um, if Brock's got his working boots on, he seems to always work uh, better with uh, smaller guys or, you know, the, the AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan's of the world. So, um, I, I, 
Go ahead. Oh, you go. You go. Well, I was, I was just going to say, I definitely think we'll get um, an even better match than we did at Mania. So, yeah, I hope it, it feels a little better than Mania. Mania seemed kind of rushed. It did. But, but if this was the plan all along, I can understand why Mania was rushed now because, you know, it, it was all part, part of the bigger story to get us to here. So, yeah. Um, and a couple things, I think that covers the card. Um, we don't have an intercontinental title match um, on the card, but that could easily be chucked onto the pre-show. Uh, Ali and Shinsuke have kind of been battling back and forth, so we'll see where that goes. The the big thing from this past week, apparently uh, Rowan has been trying to kill Roman Reigns, so <laughs> uh, that, that was revealed, uh, but there's no match on the card. Um, What's your what's your thoughts on this? Uh, well, I'm sure we'll see an interaction, but I don't know how they'll set it up. But you would think there would be like a maybe a New Day versus uh, the Planet's Champions tag match, and then Ro- Roman would show up during it or something. But uh, I don't, yeah, I don't think that's booked either. So I, I, I don't. I guess it's probably to set up Brian and Roman because I don't see Rowan himself being the the you know the main attraction in this feud with Roman. Um, I did, however, like on Raw, and, and I heard some uh, negative comments about it, but uh, where uh, Roman and Joe were into it in the parking lot, you know, and the car hits Roman's car, and when we come back from commercial break, Samoa Joe's, like, checking on Roman and stuff. Now, now, granted, I could see once he's, you know, Roman reacted, Joe, like, slamming the door on him or something like that, you know, because Joe's a heel. But I heard a lot of people complaining, you know, you know, Joe wanted to kill him just a second ago and now he's checking on him. But but I got thinking, you know, how serious does it make it seem, though, if the heel is worried about the face, you know? Yeah, you, you, you took the took the words out of my mouth there. Uh, and plus, maybe we're going to dip our toe in the water of a, a Joe face run and that's how he finally gets the title. True. Um, because for the past... I don't know, maybe year. Uh, I know for the past several months. What? Well, yeah, I'm going to say year because uh, a year ago we had Styles and uh, Joe at SummerSlam, and Joe has been absolute fire on the mic. I mean, <laughs> I think there was a line from this past Monday where they opened up Raw where he was on the table, and he just suddenly, you know, we've got enough cameras as a uh, – uh, Dysotopian society, you know, you should have seen. And I'm like, you just slip that Orwellian, George Orwell stuff in there and just, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the stuff that he uses and uh, his his verbiage and his delivery is, is so believable. Uh, and, and in my opinion, I think it's pretty darn unique. I can't really say you know, a lot of times you can say, well, this guy reminds me of Austin or this guy reminds me of Flair or The Rock. I, to me, Joe is is a little bit unique in his delivery and in the way he cuts promos. And I think it's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, have, have, have we seen Face Joe since he's been here? Do what? Have we seen a face somehow of Joe since he's been here? I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we've had a... 
So that, that could be an interesting take. And and you really wouldn't have to tweak his character that much. He he could he could still just be this wrecking machine and just you know go after the heels. Uh, so that that could be something pretty fun. Um, but um, is there anything else from uh, Raw or SmackDown we want to touch on? Um. I think we've covered it. We uh, uh, we already touched on the Alistair Black Sami Zayn match and the uh, women's tag match. We got them a little early. I think that's about all I've got wrote down. Uh, SummerSlam should be a fun show. Um, it will probably start right after we get done recording. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it as we said earlier, they they. Without sounding negative, they do need to scale it back a little bit, and I think it would make the quality a lot better. But as we said, SummerSlam is a rich tradition, and over the past couple weeks, we've been getting into uh, getting into that rich tradition, highlighting some matches. So this week, uh, I picked two matches. You picked two matches. And I guess we'll go in chronological order. Um, the ma- one of the matches I picked was Warrior and Savage from SummerSlam 92. The reason I picked this match is because I actually, for whatever reason, just went down a rabbit hole and I started watching a lot of superstars from 92 uh, leading up to SummerSlam. So the story behind this was they were they were having a – they're going to have a title match, and Mr. Perfect was going to be in one of their corners. Uh, and I actually watched a few of those superstars, but I, I never I, – I had intentions of watching SummerSlam, but I never did. I think that was my plan. Um, but uh, I, it was a good match. It, it wasn't as good as their – was it WrestleMania 7? They had the – it, it wasn't on that level because I don't think we you had the emotional investment, um, but it was solid. Uh, this match really made me – two things stood out to me. One, it's been said before, continued to be said over time, Savage was just on a whole other level. Um when I was talking earlier about Adam Cole, just subtle little things, you know, Savage was a master at that. Um, really, really a, a master of the craft. Um, and two, without sounding negative, Warrior was only ever as good as his dance partner. And, and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, he was capable of having an absolutely classic match, but he was not going to carry anybody. So I'm like I said, I don't want to get too negative, but that's as bluntly as I'm going to say it. So what, uh, what was your thoughts going back and watching this match? Yeah, I'll agree on this. This is coming from a big warrior fan too. Uh, He's got the capability, but never, not a leader, not a, not leading Hmm. dance. He was, he was more of a, you know, partner for the dance. Um, no, I, I liked it. Uh, I re- easily remembered 
watching, you know, superstars and challenge and all that. And I'll actually get into this a little later in our, uh, uh, today in wrestling history, that'll segue into that. I'll, I'll get to that later, but, um, uh, and I know I just intrigued you there. You're, you're wondering what I'm getting at, but, uh, <laughs> I remember it being really cool. Uh, the match itself, like not the result, but the match was spoiled to me and my brother because uh, I remember him getting the uh, WWF magazine. And I guess subscribers got a, their copy early or something because it showed Warrior and Savage on the back with a sum- big SummerSlam graphic over the top. And, uh, you know, they hadn't actually announced this on TV yet. So the uh, we were kind of spoiled to that ahead of time. Um, so that was kind of cool. Um, little tidbit there uh and of course as you said the story behind it was like who sold out to mr perfect you know who whose corner was he going to be in and um i never fully understood that like uh i i, I know it's just a way to get perfect and flair involved in the story with them but i didn't really see any benefit they had for playing warrior and savage against each other yeah i, I don't know how that was I, I may be missing something i i think uh flair got a title shot shortly after yeah. And maybe they were trying to just get them mad at each other so they'd like injure each other more or, or wear each other down more for the title shot. I don't know for sure, but um, but no, it, it was pretty cool. Um, face versus face, although that was there was that little tension of who sold out. Uh, yeah. they were both my favorites at the time, so that was cool. Um, and as you said, Savage, Savage is awesome. Savage work with everybody. And I want to I want to stop for a second and take this moment to throw this out there. Um, I've got a picture on my phone apparently from a match from Japan or from somewhere that never happened. Well, they wrestled each other, but not during this time frame. Uh, a match I always wanted to see from this time frame, and I think it would have been kind of the passing of the torch type match, is I wanted Brett, shortly after this time frame, after Brett got the title or was trying to get back the title or something, I wanted Brett and Savage to wrestle. That would have been tremendous. Face versus face. Yeah. Savage wrestling the younger Brett. Uh, it being obvious that Brett's, you know, the next guy coming up, you know, I I, I wanted that so bad and they never got, did it. They never did wrestle, did they? Well, now there's, there's a, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're getting at. But, uh, that time frame, no. They, they had a uh, match from Saturday Night's main event back when Brett was still part of the Heart Foundation. And then I think they wrestled in WCW after they both went there, but not right then, which would have been the perfect time to have them clash. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, it, uh, that would have been really cool. Kind of, kind of like I did to you, uh, with angle and Brett, you've, you've really got my <laughs> to turn in there. Um, for, for some reason, that's always been one that I wanted to see. And then, it, and apparently it happened in Japan. Like I said, I've got a picture. I keep meaning to send you on my phone and was going to bring that up in the text, but I was like, well, this seems like a good spot to bring it up. We're, we're working around my period. So, yeah. Um, so moving on, uh, since I was talking, you know, earlier about uh, uh, Candice LeRae and Neo Shirai, and, you know, we've got three primetime uh, women's matches on the card. Uh, good choice by you for uh, Alondra Blaze and Bull Nakano. Um, as you mentioned, you know, 25 years later, we have women who are being taken seriously. And th- this was kind of a, a an ahead-of-its-time match, a uh, good match. I, I did not remember this. Well, I remembered them wrestling, but I I am not sure that I had seen this match uh, 
in probably since SummerSlam 94. Like, I remember nothing about it. So, it, it was. It was a good match. Um, Alondra Blaze sometimes gets forgotten about. Uh, I'm not sure if Bull Nakano done anything more than this. Um, but, um, no, good good choice, good match. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? Uh, well, um, I, I remember the match, but the problem is they had a – I think they had about four matches. I mean, they, they may have done more, but four. They had one on Raw. They had this one at SummerSlam. They had one in Japan where I think Bull got the title, and then, of course, they had the match where Alundra gets the belt back, and I don't remember when that happened. But uh, when I think back at them, I, I don't think I remember which match was which. <laughs> I just remember them wrestling. Um this was an interesting scenario when I was a kid because, you know, I was, I was still fairly young at this one. And, and um, you know, normally around that time period, you know, it's you, you, you don't – you always side with the faces back then, you know. It, it's not till later on that you kind of start going, oh, well, these heels guys can work pretty good too, you know. Yeah. But in this situation, I, I I liked Bull. And I think that's why Bull's always stuck out to me because I liked Bull better than Alundra because th- this is kind of funny because as a kid, I had a problem with how they booked Alundra. <laughs> And it was always because it was Alundra versus there wasn't a women's division really. It was right. Alundra versus whoever they decided to be the evil woman of the month type thing, right. you know. So like I, I I pulled for Bull because I was like ah, they're just giving it to Alundra, which you know not a knock on Alundra, you know. Going back and watching it, you know she's she's good and everything. It was just a whole it was how they booked her. I, I hated the fact that it wasn't an actual division. It was just Alundra and friends or whatever, you know. <laughs> so. Uh, no, uh, yet again, good choice um, and, and good point there. Um, they, they almost tried to uh, to uh, Hogan her to a degree yeah. and, just, and build it around her. And I, I don't think uh, think they're a bit early on that because I don't think um, at the time there was enough to support that. So uh, next uh, we oh. have – oh, go ahead. Oh. Before we go on, I got two two more quick points on this one. Um, you mentioned uh, what about Bull going on and doing other stuff. Uh, I don't think in America she did much more other than these two actually wrestled again in WCW at Hogwild '96. Um, Interesting. Huh. I went I went on and watched that last night. You're better off watching the SummerSlam match because I didn't get a lot out of the Hogwild match. So uh, I think it was a better match at SummerSlam than it was Hogwild. Um, but it's kind of cool that they come back around and had another match. Uh, the other thing is, how cool is the Scorpion cross lock that Bull does? Which I, Paige uses it now. I think it's the PTO. Yeah. But how cool is that move? At the time, I was just – maybe that's why I liked Bull so much because she was like bending the lunder in a pretzel, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is cool. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that is a uh, – and I would forgotten about that. And like you said, Paige uses it now, but I guess she got it from Bull Nakano. Uh, now that is a that is a unique finisher and hog wild. Uh, maybe we need to go back since I think that happened in August. Maybe we need to go back and cover one of those shows before August ends. That always seemed like such a crazy concept to me. An outdoor show in Sturgis with a bunch of bikers. <laughs> Looking back on it, it, it's it's a wonder that something really didn't go wrong there. Um, True. So, because obviously you want to get heat with the crowd. That's the whole point of professional wrestling. And you have a bunch of angry, more than likely drunken bikers 
<laughs> I, I can uh, see them like going after one of the heels and yeah. So <laughs> it's a wonder something didn't go really bad wrong there. So um, any anyhow, uh, moving forward, we got Angle and Austin from SummerSlam 01. Um, this is during Austin's heel run. And I think we look back on that and I'm going to, I know at the time when, when it happened at WrestleMania, I think at the time, I don't think I was upset. I think I was confused, uh, perhaps, um, as to what they were doing. And, you know, it's kind of looked back upon as uh, kind of a flop. But I, Austin's an awesome heel. He, he yeah. really is, as, as good of a face as he is. But I think, in my opinion, he might be an even better heel. Yeah. I, uh, I, I thought I was the only person on the planet that liked his heel run at this time. So <laughs> I, This really kind of made, because I was watching it and just, his uh, his work was just, I don't know, the, the, yet again, going back to little subtleties and things like that, just the, the things he did were were very they, – they didn't jump out at you, but they really taught, helped tell the story. And I completely forgot how long Heyman and Ross were doing commentary. I think they started right before Mania, uh, obviously through this SummerSlam. Um, and I'm not sure when it ended, maybe September, October, somewhere in that time frame. I'm I'm not sure, but they, it, it wasn't a very long partnership, but no. man, were those two good. Uh, no. So uh, what, uh, what's some of your thoughts in this match? Uh, well, I'd actually forgot how good this match was. <laughs> I think, um, I don't know. I think maybe the reason I forgot is because like, I think they go on into the next pay-per-view and have a rematch. If I'm not mistaken. And uh, the rematch gets the, um, I think it's most of the interest or whatever because the that, the title changed there, which uh, that's part of my thought thought that I wrote down for this one was um, that uh, originally when this was going on, I was thinking the Angle was going to get the belt this night, but I guess they saved it for the pay-per-view that they did in Pittsburgh, Unforgiven, I think. Yeah, and that and I think that was, this, this is crazy to think about. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was, just a little bit after September 11th. And and I think they wanted, I remember reading or hearing they wanted uh, patriotism with Angle and obviously his hometown, and they really wanted a feel-good moment. Um, So I don't know if that was the original plan. may have been all along, but I think it really helped sell it uh, because they really wanted the uh, feel-good moment. So... Um, now th- this was a, a tremendous match, uh, two absolute workhorses. Um, I mean, just the way it opens up Austin locking eyes with angle, them starting out in the highway. And I love how Austin just chucks the title as he's running down the highway. Where <laughs> <laughs> he punches, angle, he just chucks the title and throws a punch. I mean, I just, I literally chuckled when I seen that. It's just so absurd, but awesome. Um, so any other thoughts on this match? Uh, well, uh, I mentioned earlier, um, uh, we're talking about false finishes. 
and kicking out of finishers and stuff. And uh, the um, there's a spot in this match where, granted, I, I knew that the title change didn't happen until Unforgiven. Mm-hmm. So I knew Angle wasn't going to win the belt at this match. But uh, there's a spot in this match where Austin's already hit a stunner mm-hmm. and, and Angle kicked out. And uh, both guys slowly get to their feet and Austin starts slapping Angle across the face. He goes to kick him to set up for the stunner, and Angle like grabs his foot, turns it into an angle slam, and goes for the pin. And at that moment, even though I knew the, that it wasn't going to happen, part of me knew exactly that it was going to happen. I was like, "Oh man, Angle's winning the belt at SummerSlam. This didn't happen. What happened?" You know. And then Austin kicks out. So that that false finish got me, and that, that's the one I was leading to earlier. It, it was such a good like motion into that move that uh, I was like, "It's over." <laughs> and I think I think that's watching this match. Because I watched it not too long before we started recording. Uh, you know, that really got me to thinking. Obviously, watching Cole and Gargano and, and then watching this from 18 years earlier with two Hall of Famers, legends. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, their false finishes, kicking out of the stunner when it meant something. It's like, oh, wow. You know, and uh, I guess that's what's you know, what I was leading to and then kind of what. So, yeah, I, I think false finishes are great, but perhaps sometimes we need to tone them back. Um, lastly, uh, we have Rollins and Ziggler. Um, this was leading. The, this is when Ambrose came back uh, to uh, combat with, McIntyre and Ziggler, and I think we got some tremendous tag matches. And looking back now, uh, it, it's it's crazy to think about a year later, we've got Ambrose or John Moxley wrestling Kenny Omega in a brand-new upstart promotion that's the hottest thing going. So it's, it's wild looking back a year ago. Um, and... The match itself uh, with Ziggler and Rollins, I mean, these two actually for a good uh, three-month stretch here really put on some some great matches. Um, and I, I remembered this match, I mean, obviously, because it was just last year, but it's interesting to look now, you know, a year later, Rollins is – arguably the guy uh, wrestling Brock and probably the main event. Ziggler's probably going to get just killed by Goldberg. So uh, what, uh, what, what's some of your thoughts in this match? Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a lot of why I picked this one. Cause it was kind of cool looking to see where we are from that year to this year. Uh, it was a great opening match. And I always like a pay-per-view when it can start off with a good match, two smaller guys that have a good work rate, you know, and uh, they can just get the crowd really pumped, have this good just good match, and then, you know, it sets the, sets the stage and sets the momentum for the rest of the show. And um, so this was this was no exception. This was a great opening match. Um, one of the things I noticed in this one, and it's not necessarily match-related, but uh, I noticed how much I miss Dolph and Drew together. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, they were kind of – they they were kind of gaining some steam uh, when when Drew come up. I think it was after Mania, shortly after Mania, they kind of paired them together. It was almost almost like a Diesel Sean thing, kind of that vibe. And 
yeah, they, I do. I'm, I miss them uh, as well. And I, now we got Drew with the the bearded bunch over there hanging out <laughs> with Shane. So, uh, yeah, I, I loved all the, uh, the Sean and Diesel jokes that could be made with them. I, I had fun with those, but, but I'll, even more so, I missed them as a pairing because they were, it, it was a good con- connection between the two, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, when uh, Drew got brought in with Dolph, it, you know, I was kind of like, okay, what's what's this, you know, and and but it worked, it worked, and uh, they were a great pairing. Uh, yeah, and I, I still don't know why they are so, you know, afraid to pull the trigger on McIntyre. Uh, maybe he's the guy who takes the title from Kofi. Who knows? Uh, could be. But um. Anything else on uh, either of these four matches? Uh, I think that's it. Um, there was a cool inverted superplex spot in this one. That's that was yeah. the main spot that stood out to me. Was yeah. that was pretty cool? But but that's about all I've got wrote down for this one. Uh, so I think, kind of kind of challenged you. I don't know if uh, you have a a winner yet, but uh, I think this was the week we were going to pick in our opinion what the best summer slam of all time thus far is and i kind of waffled back and forth 98 was good 2013 was was good because it had two absolute match of the year contenders um but uh i'm gonna go with 2002 that to, to me because I actually watched, I, I actually watched quite a bit of that card. Uh, I just kind of threw it on while uh, I, I threw it on while watching the uh, Sean Triple H stuff, and I'll get into it a little more in just a second. But uh, yeah, that's that's my pick. Uh, I'm interested to hear. Hear your pick. Uh, well, there's, uh, you know, there's a few that stand out. When I, when I get thinking about SummerSlam, you know, of course, I, I go through the cards and I think, you know, which matches really jumped out at me and everything. And um, there's there's two shows that really, from top to bottom, even, even if there's all the matches aren't great, but two that really stand out to me is, uh, for some reason, I've always liked 1994. Hmm. I don't know why. There's something about that card that just uh, uh, Brett and Owen in the cage, uh, Diesel and Razor with uh, Sean just kind of running around the ring doing his whatever thing, uh, the Bull and Alundra, um, even the Taker Taker match, which is hokey, but at the time was cool, you know. Uh, I don't know. '94 has always stood out to me, but I gotta say I'm gonna agree with you on this one. The other one that I was thinking of was 2002, and I'm gonna give it to 2002 as well because it's top to bottom. That show's great. Well, I mean, you, you look at the card. We open up with Angle Mysterio, yep. then Jericho Flair, then Guerrero and Edge. That I mean, that's the undercard, folks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> then actually a, a very serviceable tag team match, Christian and Lance Storm. And I'd actually forgotten about the whole – well, I had not completely forgotten about it, but the, uh, the whole un-American thing. That was – kind of forgot about that whole thing. Um, Versus Booker T and Goldust. And um, Benoit and Van Damme had a barn burner of a match. Um, 
And then obviously we got uh, what we talked about last week with Sean and Triple H and then Brock and The Rock. Uh, you know, and, and, and while watching that match, it, it's funny to me. Uh, 17 years ago, they anointed Brock Lesnar the next big thing. And he was gone from the company roughly a year and a half, less than two years later. Yep. Here we are 17 years later, and he is their centerpiece. <laughs> so they got there where they were wanting to get. Come hell or high water, they're, they're there. Lesnar's the man. So I'm, I oftentimes wonder, had he not went away and went to UFC and actually increased his value, I'm wondering if, if he would still have the same effect had he just stuck around this whole time. I, I, don't, I don't think so. I, I don't no. think so either. I, I think, and this might be a credit to, to Brock or a credit to Heyman or, or whomever that, you know, he left and, and, you know, went away and then came back. So, I I was thinking about that while watching that match that, you know, they they wanted him to be the guy and yet through a a crazy topsy-turvy journey, here we are and he is the guy. You you mentioned him uh, where he he leaves. uh, I always go back to thinking about um, him and Goldberg with Austin (laughs) as the ref. Was it uh, WrestleMania 20? Is that when it yeah, yep. and uh, I always go back to thinking about that because it was such a wild situation. The build-up to that match was it was happening to be this huge event, huge match. You know, these guys sat and crossed paths. They're both these big indestructible guys. They're going to clash. It's going to be big. And, like, right before the show, like, it had come out that Brock – well, it, it had come out, I think, that Goldberg was done for a while. This was the end of his run. And then it also come out that Brock was like, I'm walking away. So by the time the show actually got here, nobody cared about the match. <laughs> it, it was huge, but there was it was like, well, this kid isn't going anywhere. Once the match is over, there's no benefit out of either guy. So like the wind, uh, you know, just still what I sent you about the Sean situation, the wind just got took out everybody's sale for the match. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily Austin was there because I think Austin saved the segment because it would have been horrible. Yeah, had, yeah. had he not been out there, it could have been ooh, really bad. Even yep. worse than what it was. Yep. So yeah, uh, I, I, always, I always just get humor out of that situation that it went from being such an important match to by the time the match hit, it was like, eh, well, you know, it, it's big, but it's not going to have any implications from this night forward. <laughs> so, so, uh, so I guess leading up to uh, next week, um, you, you kind of had the idea of of continuing on since we are in the the thick of August, and even though SummerSlam is happening a little earlier this year, you kind of had the idea of touching on some more matches. Uh, and and we kind of – we wanted to branch out a little bit. We've kind of purposely not picked three – I know three obvious matches, uh, and they all in, involve the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Uh, <laughs> and, and he – darn near proves it in these three matches. Um, yep. And I guess that kind of leads me to what we're covering next week, along with our, our favorite moments. Uh, one of the matches is going to be 
Bulldog and Brett. Uh, and I think I actually have it stopped there on my uh, SummerSlam 92. Um, so, so I'm ready to load that up in a moment's notice. Uh, this, that match is no questions asked. Top five, maybe top three. I love that match. Um, just, I know there there's a story. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it next week. But I know there's a story that I think Davey uh, was hung over, got drunk or whatever, and Brett actually led him through the match. Uh, Davey couldn't remember a darn thing about it. I don't know how true that is. If it is true, then goodness gracious, credit to Brett because um, <laughs> it, it is just fantastic. Yeah, I've heard that was that one as well. Um. That, that that's a moment that in Wembley Stadium itself uh, is a moment. I'm often wondered why they haven't had another international pay per view to that level. Um, I know there's a time zone difference, uh, so that, that's that's always kind of been curious. It felt like uh, they were just kind of dipping their toe in that water to to see, and they've not revisited it. I know they've had some international pay per views. Uh, but uh, not not to that level. No, no. What are some moments over the years that have uh, stuck out to you? Um, well, that that one itself, just like you said, it, it that the paper you felt huge with it being from England and all that, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, and the crowd was really into it, and uh, I always the, there's a kid at the start of the, uh, well, I don't know if it's the start of SummerSlam, but somewhere on the SummerSlam. Uh, when they're showing the crowd, they're talking to the crowd outside, and there's this kid that says, uh, uh, the British Bulldog's going to win, whether he wants to or not. I, just, I always love that. <laughs> He's like, there, there's no way Bulldog's going to lose this, even if he don't want to win, you know. it's. I, I actually, yeah, I I watched that little part of it. That was that cracked me up, too. Um, you know, when you mentioned the taker versus taker thing while, while that was hokey, we got some good stuff with Leslie Nielsen. Um, (laughs) Oh, that was, it's, it's funny to look back on now. Um, I've always, you know, and obviously we got, um, Austin and Owen, Brett and Owen, which Brett and Owen's the other match along with perfect and heart, uh, are, um, the match, three of the matches we're going to look back on, but we also got, uh, which will be the fourth match we'll look back on, um, TLC, uh, from, uh, the Dudleys, Edge and Christian and, uh, the Hardys from, uh, I think it was SummerSlam 2000. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, that, uh, that was a, this, this was the height of, uh, those three teams, they they also had TLC two at Mania next year, but from basically No Mercy ninety nine, all the way through WrestleMania seventeen, there was like a year and a half there. These three teams were just, oh my gosh, I, I'm not sure. <sighs> that is as fine of a rivalry between these three teams. That is as fine of a rivalry as the, the business has seen. Yeah, it, it was awesome. Um, and they certainly shortened their careers. Uh, I, 
you know, I, I don't, I'm sure we could have, uh, had it not been for all these matches and subsequent matches after the fact, uh, we probably could have got a few more years out of the rated R superstar, but so be it. He had a hall of fame career regardless. Um, <laughs> and how crazy is it that the one of them that is still semi-regularly active out of all of them <laughs> is the one that we thought was going to be out for the earliest Jeff Hardy. Oh, for sure. For sure. <laughs> uh, so, um, no, uh, SummerSlam's always had uh, always had some good stuff. Uh, next year, apparently, it's going to be from Boston. Uh, they, they've announced that. Um, I look forward to looking back on these four matches uh, and talking about them next week. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get some more memorable moments. Uh, one more thing. Uh, I'm not, I don't believe we've mentioned it. I know I texted you about it a little bit ago. There's rumors floating that tonight uh, is going to be rated TV 14. Uh, I've, I've not, I've, I've not heard if it's just a rumor or it was a mislabel or something, but supposedly there's going to be some violent stuff tonight. I don't know if it's going to be the fiend. I don't know if it's going to be Brock. I find this laughable because on a conference call, you know, I think we talked about this. Uh, talked about this last week where McMahon was like, well, we're not going to do that blood and guts crap. But yet again, if they are rated team 14 and they do do the blood and guts crap, I mean, uh, so, so what's, uh, what's your thoughts on the, uh, if, if we do get a little edgy tonight? Oh, well, I, I don't know if it's, uh, maybe it's, if, if they've definitely got something for sure planned or maybe it's just kind of a precautionary, you know, if they, they're like, Oh, well, we're going to go that route, you know, or let's start, up in our rating so that we have the freedom to or something. Um, I, I'm thinking either, like you said, you said the, the Fiend situation or um, the Brock Seth situation, or I think uh, was was the thing you sent me said maybe the uh, Roman, Rowan, yeah. uh, Daniel Bryan situation. Might there, be that could be – I mean, I don't know. I would even be open to – keeping your TV product, TV PG, and then only for certain pay-per-views, maybe TV 14. Yeah. I, I would be fine with that. I, I don't know. It's not to sound like I'm, uh, you know, barbaric or anything, but I kind of hope it is. I kind of hope we do get something that really sticks out and like, oh, my gosh, you know, so, so we'll see. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, so... You mentioned you kind of intrigued me a little bit earlier. I know we've got some uh, this day in wrestling history. So, uh, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, I got a, got a few things. I had to do a little dig, digging deep because I only had one thing at first. Hmm. But then I got looking and, and I, I found something interesting. Um, uh, first off, uh, it's Hulk Hogan's birthday. So, uh, you know, if you see Hogan, push him happy birthday. I, I don't know anybody's going to see him, but there's <laughs> uh, well, some uh, cop. Uh, cops on the airport termac seen him and they got hot water over that oh, uh, uh -oh. I, i'm not sure if you heard about this but uh yeah they were giving him a ride giving him and jimmy hart uh a ride on an airport termac and just kind of riding him around and I, I, i'm not familiar with the whole story but supposedly the, the cops kind of did a big no-no and they kind of filmed it and was just riding him around taking him somewhere and mm -hmm. I think it was in Chicago, perhaps, is where it was at. But uh, 
but yeah, that that was. Uh, I think it happened uh, Friday or Saturday, maybe. That that was some news coming out. So maybe they'll just say, "Hey, we were doing it for his birthday because we knew it was coming up." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a birthday present for the Hulkster. There you go. There you go. So uh, let's see what what else we got. Um, in 1997, on August 11th, uh, we had Shawn Michaels and Mankind on Raw. This was after the uh, SummerSlam fallout. Uh, so this was. Um, I think this was kind of the first seeds of DX. I believe uh, uh, Rick Rude showed up as Sean's insurance policy, and Hunter and China was probably down at ring, down to the ring before the match was over. I can't say for sure. It's been a while since I watched that one. So this is kind of the seeds of DX right before. I think the next week we had that Sean and uh, Hunter versus Taker Mankind tag match, which is so weird because Taker and Mankind on the same side, you know, was kind of mind blowing at the time. So that was kind of cool, but but the, the the hidden gem thing I have, and it's actually not, it's not going to mean much to anybody but myself. But August the eleventh, nineteen ninety two, was the date I attended my first live wrestling show. Nice, nice. So, and and it is viewable if anybody wants to watch it. Uh, these uh, nineteen ninety two, they did a show called the SummerSlam Spectacular mm-hmm. that was leading up to SummerSlam. Um, most of those matches were filmed that night in Nashville. And um, I, at the time, I didn't have satellite or anything, so I didn't know this. <laughs> I knew it was re- being recorded, but I never did get to see it. And uh, there were some uh, episodes of Wrestling Challenge at the time that had a couple matches that uh, uh, was from that show. The, uh, the SummerSlam Spectacular had a Warrior and Savage against the Nasty Boys. And Brett versus Skinner. I had this wrote down somewhere. I think uh, Flair versus uh, Tito Santana. Those were the standouts to me. But uh, not Brett versus Skinner being a standout, but it's because I've got it somewhere on DVD or something. But yeah. but it was pretty cool. It was, it was pretty cool. Oh, first first uh, live uh, uh, Municipal? Yep, yep. Municipal Auditorium. Cool. Nashville, Tennessee. So that, that's cool. August 11th, 1992. So. Pre- pretty cool date in the history of the Ellis, you know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, any uh anything else? Yeah, that's all I had. Like I said, I had to do a little deep digging for this one. Uh, apparently, August eleventh wasn't a big day for wrestling. Um, there was a couple. There was a Nitro episode that happened on on there, but I don't really, I don't remember anything big jumping out. There was a like an Eddie and Jericho match. That that was kind of cool. Um, I think there's a Raw from 2014 had RVD and and uh, Seth Rollins match, which I don't remember happening. So I'm gonna go back and watch that sometime. That's about all of all I've got. All right. Well, um, I guess we will catch everyone next week with uh, all the SummerSlam fallout and uh, keep an eye out for Sasha Banks or Ronda Rousey tonight. I'm sticking by one of those two predictions. Uh, and um, I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next week. So catch you then. Enjoy SummerSlam and stay positive, guys.